Bradford Clark Freeman, the last surviving member of Easy Company's uh, Band of Brothers, dies at 97, right? So it says, Bradford Clark Freeman, believed to be the last surviving original, original member of the historic World War II Parachute Infantry Regiment of the U.S. Army, known as Easy Company, died on Sunday in Columbus, Mississippi. He was 97. Um, yeah, so, you know, we covered Band of Brothers a whole lot. Uh, every episode, we talked about it. And um, so I got an email from Molly Dangerous uh, last week and just kind of with that article in it, letting me know that uh, he died. So um, that's a long ass life. You know what I mean? 90, yeah, 97, 97, man. He lived, man. You lived 97. Shit. Yeah, that's a long ass life. But I felt like, and I'm sure Molly felt the same way. I felt like that we, you know, we'd be remiss not to you know, kind of shout yeah. him out and, you know, prayers and stuff to his family, stuff like that. Yep. Even though 97 is, family. yeah, and like 97 is a long time, but, you know, you know, like I know, it don't matter how old, you know, somebody gets, the family always want to just keep them, you know, make sure that they're around. Oh, yeah. Whatever like that. Most definitely. Most right. definitely. But what's up? What's up, man? We got a guest, right? We got a guest. Who, who do we have the pleasure of talking to today? Uh, Hi. My name is David Chad Underwood. Mm-hmm. I am an EN1 in the United States Navy. Been in for 15 years. Yeah. So this is fun, right? Let, let's uh like so this whole episode, right, is gonna be about transparency, right? Right. So oh, so let so <laughs> so so yo, Ian One hit me up, right? A couple it's been a couple times, right, from when we started this podcast, right? It's like, yo, you know, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> let's go, you know? So he hit me up. Like, I was in SCA. He hit me up. He was like, hey, what's up, man? When y'all going? When we going to do this? I'm like, yo, we got it. You know, we going to put something together. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. This week, you know, we, like, he hit me up again. Like, what's up? I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do it, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. the other day, though, I think it was just today, he was like, yo, what we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hit me up. Ready though, right? you didn't hit me up three times. <laughs> what you mean? So you know, to be transparent again, we have nothing to talk about at all. So you know that should be good. I got no notes. I got one thing I want to go over: an email from uh, one of our listeners. Um, but I got no notes, nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to recover. I got a slight uh, afternoon hangover or whatever like that. So I'm trying to recover from that. We're gonna have some fun. Are you going you going to read that email or what's going on? You want me to read the email right now? Okay. All right. I'm going to read the email. I wasn't trying to come in come in hot <laughs> off the email, bro. But let's go. All right. So this is the email. I'm going to tell you right now. It's long. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, no. It's long. Um, but, I mean, I don't think I do too many bad jobs at, you know, reading on here. Maybe right now. Uh, what is going on, Chiefs? I was wondering if you could help me get some closure on something. I know you guys talked about talking to a detailer and it got me thinking about the end of my career, right? Quick bio. I'm a 10-year Navy veteran. He's an FC2, right? This issue is not something that I will dwell on as I was in a highly technical field and I was able to transfer it properly into a civilian career with minimal issues. But my intentions originally were to stay in the Navy. To make a long story as short as possible, I was having a tough time on the boat, and I took that into consideration when I re-enlisted for four years instead of six to max out my SRB. 
so I could recharge and reset on shore duty. I was upheld on the boat for a few more months immediately after re-enlisting. Transferred to my three-year shore duty orders, and it says ComSec Fleet. At year two, I was selected for IA to Gitmo with the promise of getting that year back for shore duty, right? He got air quotes on promise, right? With the promise of getting that year back for shore duty. I returned to shore duty, and it is time to re-enlist and pick new orders. Talk to the detailer. He gave me knees of the Navy. He gave me knees of the Navy talk without getting that year back. Needed me in Japan, carrier strike uh, duty orders, right? Mm. It says, I reiterate to my detailer, an FCC who knew as a FC1, who he knew as an FC1 on his on ship, about the year of IA and the uh, uh, EAOS. He came back with knees of the Navy. He said, I rogered up and said, no thanks, but I will keep calling back every month until my EAOS. Every month, I got the same Japan orders, needs of the Navy. And every month, I said, no, thank you. On my last look, I gave the detailer my last no, thank you, and informed him in my chain of my decision to separate from the Navy. It says, come and behold, I received an email from the command in Japan two months before I was scheduled to separate, asking where I was at. They were expecting me. I explained to them that I never agreed to the orders and that I was separating. He said, in my head, I battled this detailer for orders. I said no to what he offered, and I feel like he cut me those orders to get it off his plate for the time being while the FC behind me got his pick of orders. He said, I have a couple questions for you guys. I know there are a lot of moving parts to this, especially with the IA deployment, but is this a common practice for detailers? giving me those orders after I stated my intentions. He says, if not, did the detailer cut those orders to me so he wouldn't have to deal with it for a few more months? I understand the needs of the Navy, and I would have accepted those orders had I not felt comfortable with separating. But my perspective on the Navy changed after Cuba, and I felt more committed with staying in the Navy. I also have a problem with people not doing their job. At this point, the Navy had given me a lot of training. A top secret clearance, he said I was a tomahawker, and a ton of money, SRB, and I was currently at a staff command. Is there something I could have done on my end to get past this Japan issue? But more importantly, should I have brought into light what was going on, uh, what, what I was going through with the detailer? I mean, that's a, a yes. Um, I am a child of the 90s from California, and the no snitching ethos was still a part of me. I enjoy your podcast and the perspective you have on things. Like I said, this does not keep me up at night, but at times I still ask what if. I'm just curious about your thoughts, if this would make for a good discussion. Cool. If you guys want to give me some feedback offline, that would be great. Thanks again, and I hope you guys continue putting out some great content. So when I first read this email, um, I said, yo, we're going to get a detailer on. You know, I had my own personal thoughts, of course. I was like, hey, we're going to get a detailer on and we're going to, you know, chop it up with the detailer. But why not chop it up with an engine man first class about, <laughs> about this shit? Just, you know what I'm saying? I, I tell you what, man, like, for real though, man, that, that, was a, that was a lot going on right there in that email, right? First off, um, him being prone to something, right? Like, who promised them? Because normally you get those IAs, they come from somewhere else. May not even come from a detailer because a lot of times what they do, they'll come to you and then you got to pick between your command and who's going to go and blah, blah, blah. But somebody got to take these orders. But where is that small print that said, we're going to give this back to you? If you got that, 
if you got that ticket right there on somebody promising it and it's in black and white, yeah. you can, as a chain of command, you can use that, you know? So that's one thing. The snitching thing I heard there, hey, snitching on somebody doing their job is a whole nother ball game, man. Yeah, it ain't, <laughs> like, it ain't snitching. I'm not, I'm it ain't not, snitching ain't if no you're snitching on a detailer, bro. Yeah, exactly, man. So, <laughs> man, I would have brought that shit to light so quick, right? So quick, man, on what was going on. And, and also, man, with that being said, though, um, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know what he was going through and none of that stuff. But I most definitely, as a chief, I would have been talked to the detail and find out what's the chief side of this as a detailer on why, you know, we can't do something differently, try to, you know, keep this sailor in the Navy, blah, 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 all this stuff. And let him know the background of it, too. You know what I mean? That'd be like some of my steps. But at the same time, man, like, like I don't know until we talk to a detailer. So I would like to know, though, do they just send those orders out anyway? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I had a guy that was retiring, and he said he was retiring. And they still sent them orders. Yeah, You know what I mean? They sent them <laughs> orders anyway to go to Japan when he was freaking um retiring. I already had his letter, you know what I'm saying, up to retire. And they sent them orders anyway. Yeah. Right? So I don't know if that's a thing or not, but hey, detail us. How let us, man. Let us know what's going on. We've been trying to get a detail on here for a hot minute, man. I know well, I know it's one well, detail hey, out well, there. Well, I'm interested on Ian Wines. Like, like, you can't close out, you know, the answer and by reaching out. Oh, to I didn't the close detail. it out. Yes, I didn't close it out. I didn't. No, no. I wasn't closing it out. I was giving my part. Of it. My point was, hey, any detailers out there? Hey, Ian, what? Did you feel us, like? Did you feel like he was closing out the question? Did that feel nah, like? I ain't closing. Not really. The call I mean, to he left action. It pretty open. Nah. The call to action open. to the detailers is the end of the question. It's like let's move on after we <laughs> after we tell the detailers we need. <laughs> Nah, so, I mean, uh, I've man. never been a detailer personally, but I think that there was probably a lot of missing information with that whole situation, too. Because, I mean, he never said anything about, you know, talking to his chain of command. Did he talk to his chief? Did he talk to admin? Did he talk to anybody? I mean, we didn't like get any did. of that information at all. So, I, you know, I begin to think that this guy probably didn't have a whole lot of experience in the Navy. He probably did one ship, one shore tour. And then that was it. So, I mean, he didn't really have the longevity experience that, you know, like somebody like one of us would have that you guys are close, if not already at 20, I'm at 15. So, I mean, we've been around a little bit to understand that if more than likely he did not reach out to the correct people, he's probably not going to get an answer that he's going to find viable for use of information. So, I think to be completely honest, I think he partially only failed himself and it's only because he failed himself. Uh, I'm sorry. It's only because he, uh, he didn't really know what he didn't know. So there's no, there's no way to understand something you don't know if you don't know the information or have that information readily available to you. So I honestly think that that should be the first thing that needs to be asked is, did he talk to the right people in his chain of command? to get the answers that he was looking for. If every time he reached out to the detailer, he was getting the same response and the same, you know, shotgun orders to forward, uh, forward deploy Japan. Who has he talked to? Who has he asked the questions to that? That would be the first thing that I would want to know. Um, so, you know, reading this email, um, right now versus the first time I read this email, I realized something that him and the detailer had a relationship as well. He knew the detailer from his uh, first command. Oh, wow. He, 
he might have gave that's what he that's what the email said, right? It said he knew the detailer. He they knew him as an FC one. Yeah. yeah. So he might have been giving that detailer too much grace. You know, um, he might have been feeling like that's why that and I think that plays a part into the no snitching ethos that he brought up and a bunch of oh, other yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. Now it, made, now yeah. it makes that sense. makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Now it makes sense. So I think he okay. felt like he was protecting, you know, that detailer. But I, it's been many a times. Soon as I get the email from the detailer, all right, let me print this out. I'm taking this to somebody right now. <laughs> I'm walking down the P way with it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's launch plans. Like let's go. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, but I think he gave the detailer a whole lot of grace. Some of the onus. So, what up? No, that's it, man. So that that covers. Hey, everything I just said, I'm gonna apologize for because because that little bit of information right there just changed my whole thought process. That's probably why he didn't yeah. talk to his chain of command. That's probably why he didn't do a whole lot of things that he would have did is because he knew he had a relationship with the detailer. That, that makes sense. That makes sense now. Now it makes sense. Yeah, okay. I think he gave But it. at the same time, though, yeah, but at the same time, though, it's your career, though. Mm-hmm. And you said you wanted to stay Navy. If you want to stay Navy, you got to do things that's going to help you stay Navy because at the end of the day, Seem like that detailer turned his back on you and say you going to Japan. Yeah. Period. So his decision there was fickle too, uh, for a little bit because a little bit was like, yo, I want to get out. You know, it was like almost like I want to get out, but then this experience, you know, made me stay. So it wasn't as solidified as, for instance, like somebody who came day one and knew that, you know, it was a, a few things that would make him shift. Or whatever like that. So I think I think all of that had a point to uh kind of had a play in you know that decision making process. But Ian One, um, what I do know about you is that you went through the last thing that happened when we were on a ship together was you were going through a process that had to do with uh th- was the detailer involved in your process as well when you was trying yeah, to do so the it was spot? it was a pretty lengthy process actually because um all right, so what, like, let's start, like, just for the listener's sake. What was that? What What was the process? What so the process is called, like, cross-decking or, uh-huh. um, like, a one-for-one swap. I mean, there's so many different, you know, terminologies yeah. that you could use. But essentially, it was it? like a cross-deck. I was trying why to cross-deck to get on the uh, the ship that I'm on now because it was coming back to San Diego. And I, at the time, had a daughter on the way. So mm-hmm. I wanted to come back home to my daughter, essentially, and I even was willing to commit an extra year at sea just to yeah. be able to get on the ship that I'm on now. And it, it was a nine-month process, and that was from the very beginning, and it was during the height of COVID, too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there was a well, whole where, lot of where people. Were you? Where, where were you trying not to be before you In Yakuska, Japan. Okay. Right. I'm listening. Yeah, so it actually... Uh, it had to go through Desron, and it also had to go through the uh, uh, PERS, which essentially is the detailers. And because the guys at PERS, the detailers, dropped the ball, the guys at Desron, who our CMC on uh, my last ship, uh, was reaching out to the higher-ups at Desron saying, hey, these two sailors submitted these packages well before the deadline, and your organization whoever was involved dropped the ball. And I want to make sure that this sailor gets what he applied for because he qualifies for it. And the other sailor taking his spot here also qualifies for it. There's no reason for this to not happen. So the CMC uh, 
on my last ship was extremely helpful and extremely, uh, you know, on the ball on trying to make that that work for me. And and he did a magnificent job of it. Yeah, CMC was dope. That yo, know, that so but that was crazy though, because we was coming off a of, uh we was coming off a COVID deployment and we were doing uh, um we were moving, right? We were moving from um San Diego to Japan, right? Yes. And what made this time weird, because I feel like by this time, right, the ship had done, we had done a lot like as a crew. Um oh, yeah. And by this time, coming off after the COVID deployment, this after you left, Damon. Um, yep. But as we going and moving to Japan, everybody was a little bit more like fucked up than they were, <laughs> you know, before, uh, you know, this whole thing happened, you know, and, and with their real regular life. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like for me, that was the miscarriage. Um, Ian one was dealing with, trying to get over to the ship and it was a lot of you know so it was almost like everybody had I, I might curse a lot this episode but it was almost like everybody had like their own <laughs> bullshit that they, you know that they was dealing with so as much as you you know dealing with somebody else with the whatever they got going on you got shit too and it was like everybody knew that each person had shit you know i think to name one more like gsc one for instance he was it wasn't bad stuff but he had just had a baby that he really didn't see yet too much you know what i mean so like all of us had like <clears throat> something going on we I, th- I don't think we had a gsec we had a tad gsec uh who had to be there and just every our top snipe was contemplating retirement it was just so much going on just with the crew and like we had done all these things and now it's like all right this is kind of like and i remember this like this sail around or whatever was kind of like the last hurdle before the ship was able to pull in and take a breather, I think do like a mini yard period and then do like another like a uh, mini deployment kind of thing or whatever like that. So it was just a crazy time. And I know that was, that was like frustrating for you at the time. Wasn't it anyone? Uh, that's the understatement of the year to be completely honest. Um, I was, I was told on two different occasions that, Hey, sorry, it's not going to happen. Uh, this, this was told to me by the CMC. The same mm-hmm. CMC that made it happen yeah. came to me twice on two separate occasions about two months apart and was like, no, this is not going to happen. Sorry, I tried everything. I talked to everybody I could. And then magically, we're about to pull in back to Yakuska, Japan from our second deployment in a matter of, I think it was like 18 or 19 months. We spent 19 out of 24 months underway. And... uh it was just before we were pulling in two weeks and he was like, Hey, I just got off the, uh, the computer, just talked to the PSCS over there at Desron and they're going to be cutting your orders right now to, for you to go on to the, uh, the, the ship that I'm on now. And, uh, it, it was, it was literally a matter of days where I was yeah. told by CMC, Hey, you're going, it's happening. Got my orders stood EDO the day after we pulled in from deployment. And then I literally turned over EDO and left to the, uh, the ship that I'm on now the very next day. So yeah. it, it was, it was so quick. It, it almost didn't feel real. And then when I checked into my ship now, like everybody was like, Hey, uh, what's up? Are you replacement for other EN one? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we just swapped places. That's all we did. He yeah. went there. I go here. That's how that yeah, works. Yeah, well, hey, David, you ever saw Ian one mad? 
like all the time. All right, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure, right? I just want to make sure. Hey, I just want to clear was the ready air. to whoop the dude. Ian one was ready to whoop the other Ian one ass. Like the dude. <laughs> I just want to make myself really dude. clear though. Like that was that was nine months that they were messing with my livelihood. I got a little girl on the way, and I'm trying to get back to her. Like it was it was a difference of a year and four months if I would have stayed over there on that ship compared mm. to if I got to the ship that I'm on now and came back to San Diego. So that would have been, you know, I wouldn't be able to poten- potentially, I wouldn't be able to see my daughter until she was almost a year old. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so just so everybody know, man, these are the things that happens all the time, though. All the you time. You see him once, but he won't, he won't be able to see his daughter for this many, a year or whatever the case may be. That shit happens all the time in the Navy, right? All the time. And another, the time. And another thing is, on top of that is the fact that this swap thing he's talking about. Hey, in one, the percentage of getting that done is probably about 20 freaking percent, if not lower than that, of that actually happening. Yeah. You know, because people always need to change their minds or somebody like one guy better than the other and we're not going to do this. And all type of stuff goes on with that whole situation that in nine times out of 10, it just doesn't happen for the sailor. So to me, hearing in one, saying it happened for him i'm like that shit is great regardless of, i know it took nine months but just for it happening yeah it was, it was i'm telling you are you are it's like i was lucky freaking good man oh yeah i, yeah, I was yeah, lucky yeah, I uh, and there was only two other people on the ship that were able to actually get that cross deck fulfilled for them and you know i'm not going to name names or nothing but mm-hmm. to my knowledge there was at least 20 people on board that ship that applied for it so three out of 20 that's a pretty low percentage. Yeah. But if that, if that cross that, as much as, you know, Ian one was lucky, if that cross that didn't happen, you know what I'm saying? I feel like the other, the other Ian one was lucky too. Cause Ian one had some plans, man. Like, oh, so hold on, hold on, hold on. So the Ian one was, he was coming regardless. Oh no. No, no, no. What it, I mean, it was, was a one for one. Oh, when he got to San Diego, our EM one was coming, was going regardless to wherever the other EM one was at. <laughs> like, uh, yo, when we pull in, I'm gonna go up on that ship. I'm gonna find him. You know what I'm saying? I remember, man. We had some good times, man. We definitely had some. Oh, good that's time. right, because the Curtis Will was still over there at the time. Yeah, they were in port yeah. twice oh, when we pulled in. Shit, that's now I'm, I'm tracking now. Yeah. So oh, yeah, just to touch on, oh, no. you know, what I was saying a bit ago that there were two separate occasions where I was told it's not going to happen. The first one is the one that we're talking about now. And it's when the other Ian one that I was supposed to swap with hit me up on Facebook and even sent a formal email to the command, all that stuff saying, I don't think that, you know, I want to continue on with this process. I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, Let me um, take some time to think about it, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And uh, let me get, you know, talk to my family and I'll get back to you guys. And I was like, Wait, hold up, man. Like, this has been like five months that you're all like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. We're going to make this happen. And now all of a sudden you got your pants around your ankles, man. Like, don't give me that bullshit. Like, I'm not about that life, man. Didn't he like stop responding for a little bit? Yeah, for like a solid month. For a solid month, he didn't talk to me. Hey, I'm finna pass the word for you to meet me on the pier, (laughs) (laughs) man. It's time to meet me on the pier, man. We need to talk about this, I can't imagine being on Facebook Messenger like, hey, man, man, this is the 30th message I sent you, (laughs) Where you at, man? You know, it's it's really funny. I don't have my phone on me right now, but I, I could pull the messages up and be like, yo, look at the dates right here. Like, there's a whole month gap. 
between when he said something and when, you know, I said all this and then he responded. So yeah, that first time it, it was him. It was the other Ian one that he didn't want to do it. I guess uh, later on, I came to found out that it was an actual paperwork issue with his family mm-hmm. and he was trying to get his family from Japan or not Japan from their origin country to Japan and get them there legally. So that's what he was dealing yeah. with other than, you know, again, like, you know, Domo, you were just saying, we all deal with our own stuff. So he was dealing with his own stuff at the same time, trying to make yeah. it happen, trying to swap. Yeah. So, so and that happens too, man. We never know both sides of it, man. You know what I'm saying? You never know. You all be all pissed and mad, but you never know the other side, you know, until you you're right. know the other side. Yeah, yeah you're right. So, so what CMC did, right? How did that like affect your perception of CMC? Oh, I like liked what? the guy from day one when yeah. he checked in, but I, I was always like, I looked up to him as a really good leader and he is, he's one of those people that doesn't just have somebody's best interest in mind. He, he has a vested interest in the betterment of a life for a sailor. And if he actually has the ability to help said sailor, he's going to go out of his way to do that. And he really, really proved that that was the case with me. So, I mean... I have absolutely nothing bad to say about that man. Only good. Yeah, that dude was like tapping into people like spirits, bro. Like, you yeah, know, people, he really was. I had sellers coming up to me like, hey, you know, chief, man, I started, you know, this one I was a chief. It's like, hey, chief, I started writing uh, poetry again. You know, um, I talked to CMC and uh, he just made me believe in myself again. I've overcome <laughs> this fear. I've overcome. And I'm like, damn, how many? Oh, my people? God. I'm like, how many people is CMC talking to? You know what I mean? Right. And I talked to him. the deck place, yeah. baby. Let's I, go. I asked him, like, when, you know, when I, I used to talk to him a lot, too, because I actually admired him as well. I'm like, hey, dude, you got like a clone or something? Is it two of you? Like, how are you doing all this? Like, like you know, what's up? And then he, he gave me some, yo, he dropped some juice on me, man. Um, A little bit like my last week on board or whatever. He dropped a couple juice on me that like really made sense. But the reason why I asked you that is because I wanted to know, like, when it comes to a leader, right? So it's different levels of leadership, right? And I kind of want to go through that. Uh, and, we, you know, we just talk about, like, your your perception of it all, right? So let's start with, like, an LPO. Um, what's your perception of, like, a good uh, LPO? Ooh. Uh, so I've been an LPO now at, I think, three different commands. I've been a first class for an obnoxious amount of time. I think, like, nine, nine and a half years, something like that. Mm-hmm. But um. I think a good LPO needs to have a good moral ground. And the reason why I say that first is because you got to remember that as the LPO, you are the threshold between everybody enlisted lower side and upper enlisted and officers. So the first thing that comes to mind as that person in that position, the threshold between the two worlds you first have to realize that all of your sailors, all of these sailors up and down the chain of command are people before they are sailors. So if you have that good moral ground and you're able to deal with individuals individually, not treat everybody the exact same, if you recognize that that is important, especially to junior kids nowadays, I, I think that's a, the, the first piece of the recipe that you need for a good LPO. All right. So before we transition to chief, right? Um, before we get there, right? Naturally, right? How important is the relationship? At, now I'm talking 
still to you as LPO, right? How important is the relationship between an LPO and a chief? Uh, crucial. So as the LPO and the chief, you, you are the two of the three parts of the divisional triad. So knowing that, you have to have a good working relationship and a good understanding of the differences and the similarities of your leadership styles and your, um, I would say, weaknesses and strengths and how they match up together. Because, well, let's face it, division officers are not really much of that divisional triad that I just spoke of. They're usually just a, a first or second tour divo, just kind of trying to mosey on by, do their job to the best of their ability. And at the very same time, trying not to screw up and piss off their department head. So it's really up to the chief and the LPO. And as long as they have a, a good working relationship and they understand their strengths and weaknesses and how they compare together, that will be the glue that holds the division together, essentially. Yeah. And I, I think I think that a good a good LPO and a good chief are able to empower, you know, a divo and Yes. Make them, you Absolutely. know, make them, you know, a, a big part of that, you know, because you do have a div, you do have divos that could just run off and, you know, have to focus on their quals or, you know what I'm saying? But a good right. LPO, good chief, man, they can really empower that divo. Like in some of the divisions that you had, uh, that you were in, y'all had empowered divos. Y'all had some divos that yes, was like did. super duper, like actually empowered to be divos. I think in the, the divisions that I had, uh, later on on a ship, we had divos that you knew was like, all right, this is oh, yeah. the divo for, you know, E-Division. Um, yeah, for sure. But we, you you do still have divos that, you know, like, like they trying to get, you know, this qual, that qual. Now, right. have you have you had a situation where you didn't mesh with, where you as an LPO didn't mesh with LCPO? Ooh. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, Looking back, I can say that I've had majority of the chiefs that I've had have been really good. Chief, senior chief, doesn't matter. I've had a lot of good chiefs, and I think I'm. It would be remiss for me not to say something along the lines of I I was I was blessed in that sense. But don't get it twisted. I've I've had a bad chief or two, and uh, it wasn't just because um, that they were a bad leader or that the chief and I didn't work well together. It was, uh, it was the fact that at the time it just wasn't a good relationship between me and that chief personally because of a past issue. So this actually happened on my second ship and it was my first chief on my second ship. And, um, it was pretty obvious that this guy was very mistreated in high school, middle school, uh, <laughs> probably made fun of his entire life growing up because he had a chip on his shoulder. He always wanted to fuck with people hard. And it wasn't just fucking with people that were around on the ship and, you know, like his colleagues and stuff. No, he fucked with his junior sailors in the division. Like mm-hmm. he would sneakily, uh, he would be a bastard about it and say like, Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys get this done. You guys be able to go home early today. And then, you know, our first classes are like, okay, cool. We knocked all this out. We're going to go uh, talk to Chief or whatever and try to get you guys out of here. 
And then Chief come up with another work list at like 16, so was, 1700. So he was like a villain. He was like, he was an evil I wouldn't villain. say he was a villain. I, I just, I honestly think that well, he well, let, did let me, that let me shit defend him. A, let me defend him a little bit. Yeah, that please do, Damon. Please do. Oh, no, I'm, 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 hey, I'm not hey, on Tuesday. Hey, yeah, that's the, now. If it happens all the time, it's a different story. But that's what I'm you know, saying. Sometimes, yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it does happen sometimes. A double tap workless person, like that double tap joint, like it's fifteen hundred. <laughs> always double tapping me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so don't forget, guys. Like I, I spent about a year as the chief of my division on my last uh-huh. ship, and I, I was there for like chief meetings, khaki meetings, all sorts of stuff. I was playing the actual role of an LCPO. Just, I wasn't allowed in the chief's mess. But yeah. I mean, I was treated like one of the khaki when we would do all of our khaki, you know, like SSOQ boards or khaki call, whatever. I, I was I was treated as such in that respect. But at the same time, I know I wasn't privy to certain information. But I do recognize that like certain times, certain situations will occur where a department head or a divo or something will come out with a work list later on in the day and there's just nothing that a chief or a first class or anybody else can do because that tasking comes from way above them as well. I'm, yeah. I'm not obtuse to that. I know that that happens. What, what was the effect that having that, that relationship with that chief at that time, though? What, what effect did that have on the division as a whole, the bad, the bad relationship? Everybody's morale was just terrible. And it wasn't just me that had the bad relationship with that chief. It was all of the first classes in the division it was all of the second classes in the division, all the thirds, all the firemen. They did not like him. And it yeah. wasn't just because they didn't like him as a chief. They didn't like him as a person because he was a shitty human being. And like I said, I think that that's because of his past. Either he was fucked with super hardcore when he was growing up or he grew up an only child and he was told that he's special. I, I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> yeah, but at yeah, the yeah. same time, it... it it takes a certain kind of malice in a person to act like that to all the people that he associates with in a professional setting. So what was the resolve? How did this get fixed? Uh, <laughs> he picked up officer and then he oh, left the command. So we got a new chief, two new chiefs, actually. Isn't that crazy, right? I knew that was the answer, right? You know how I knew that was the answer because that's the normal answer in the Navy when it comes to like uh, problems that got to do with people, personalities, and shit like that. The normal fix to most of these problems is the people leave. Yep. Like that's the normal fix. I've seen it where leaders are waiting for like a subordinate, right? And I'm using those words like because I have to in this explanation, right? Right. But like a leader is waiting a sub- waiting for a subordinate to leave to like fix their division or something like that. And I've seen yeah. it where junior people are waiting for senior people to leave to pretty much do the same thing. Like, yo, it's no real fix. We just know this person got a PRD soon. You know what I'm yep. saying? So we we got to ride it out. Leaving, leaving soon. We leaving soon. And yeah. unfortunately, that is the answer for most of these occasions. Because I mean... Usually when two people don't mesh, especially in the upper chain of command, upper enlisted chain of command. So like between a first class and a chief or, you know, hell, even a a chief and a DLCPO, uh, that's usually the answer. Because when you discover that you don't like somebody either professionally or you don't like somebody personally and professionally, there's no getting away from working with that person as long as they are there. And there's really, unfortunately, no other answer other than 
well, you got to wait till that person leaves until <laughs> shit's going to get better. Yeah, because some things ain't criminal. You know what I mean? Like some like like we see it happen like often where like you might get it happened on our last ship, actually. Like you might get a division that really just don't like their chief, like not yeah. one of the members of the division like their chief and they can report it to whoever. But it's like he's right. not really he's not being racist. He's not really creating a toxic well they might have felt like it was a toxic work environment but that didn't recently get that recently got added to the uh that recently got added to the semio instruction like very recently like toxic work environment that wasn't there before but it like it might not be anything that's real triggering or alarming so it's just like you really just don't mesh with the personalities like it's some people that's just like anti-social or whatever or they got like some social awkwardness or whatever and they might be in a leadership position at this point and some people can't like they don't really understand how to work with them they don't really know how to tap into like personalities and stuff like that so it's like damn it's like all right we really just and this you know for some people but they like we really just waiting for this person to leave don't nobody even know how to talk to this person you know what i'm saying what say what say you to that damon it looked like you you know yeah i mean my my point is i never get into like liking somebody and not liking them and all that unless they can control how I move. If you could control how I move, like, and I'm saying this because I'm a damage control man. I normally got my own little pot of the other, other, you know, type deal. And I kind of can move how I want to move. But if I was working with somebody that, that say the, they personality was stopping me from doing my job, uh-huh. then it's an issue. But if they're not really stopping me from doing my job or anything like that, I don't really care about personalities and stuff. Like, you know, when it comes to the LPO and, and the in the in the chief, we want a great everybody want a great relationship, but you know it's not going to be like that all the time, right? Not but at on all. but on but on top of that though, as long as they doing their job, that's my responsibility to make sure everybody's doing their job. We ain't got to be homies. We ain't got to be like you know high fiving in the p way. But everybody has a job to do because when one person don't do their job, you gonna make it. It's gonna be bad for the other person because somebody got to do it. Facts. Either the LPO don't do, if the chief don't do their job, the LPO going to have to step up and the devil going to do more. All these people do more. If the LPO don't do his job, the chief got to do more. Then maybe the works in the soup got to do more. So it's our job is to make sure everyone is doing their job first. Then behind that, you got a good relationship. It makes it even, now we're going to kick ass together and freaking and move on, you know, but don't, don't, don't take the personalities and how people mesh and how people do this for like say okay i'm not gonna give my lpo is he could be like the bad attitude and all this but i'm not gonna take away from his accomplishments i'm not gonna take away from the shit he gets done all the shit i don't have to do because my lpo taking care of that shit you saying like you you saying you as a lcpo wouldn't take away from yeah me as an lcpo regardless of the lpo we didn't mesh if he's doing his job he's doing his job Mm -hmm. you know i mean i don't want i don't want people to think well i don't like him personally so he's not a EP sailor. Yeah, I, I, as no. an LCPO, I can't even see myself thinking like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't like them. Yeah, per- yeah. But also, yeah. like, you know, you a baby boomer, right, Damon? You a baby boomer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a baby boomer, man. <laughs> I am a baby as, boomer. You a baby boomer for real? You're not no baby boomer, dog. Nah, like, nah, like, nah. <laughs> you're not no baby boomer. But listen, though, I was I, I, all I was going to say is this, like, it's different like generations, right? And I feel like this, like millennials, like my generation and, you know, generation Z, and I'm a little off of that as far as the millennial thing, but nowadays, like, they gotta, they have to, like, people gotta like people, man. 
<laughs> like, like, like that's like a real thing, bro. Like, like yeah. it's 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 not as cut and dry as all right. I'm 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 watching it now, like you know, in different places. But it's like it's literally like yo, I don't like my LCPO, so I don't want to work for my LCPO. You know, it's like, well, what's your, you know, what's what's going on? I'm gonna be honest. I just don't like my LCPO. It's like, yo, okay. I remember the days where it didn't matter how I felt about somebody, as far as like you saying, like on a personal level. I'm working, you know, I mean, number one, yeah. I'm working for me as well as, you know, whoever else, but I'm working so I could do a great job, especially as a junior seller. I was working to be a great performer. Like it didn't matter <clears throat> how the fuck I felt about whoever I was working for. You know what I'm saying? It never even got to that, to, to that place, but it's different nowadays, bro. Like if people don't like somebody, it's going to be a real hard you know, time in that division. I mean, that's what I think. I don't know how you feel about that one, Ian Uh, I think that's pretty true for most, but I wouldn't say all. There's always going to be differences, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, for instance, the division that I have now, uh, I would like to think that all of them like my leadership style, but I guarantee that there's at least one or two of them that don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I don't get any less work out of them if they do not like me, you know what I mean? Like they're actually doing their job and doing what they're told. So I currently can't really speak to that intelligently because I don't really have anybody like that. But I have in the past just had somebody that didn't want to work for me just because they thought that I was too strict on them or whatever the case may be, or that I'm just a, you know, a blatant asshole or whatever, whatever the case was. Yeah, I believe you got to just assess, uh, like you, I, I believe that you got to move in fairness, right? You do yeah, what you I do, do make sure it's fair, right? Um, assess, you know, assess what you're doing from time to time. Um, because when you start kind of just devoting yourself to like caring about how everybody feels about what you're doing, it, you're not, you're never going to get it right. Like, you know, I you're was never going to get it right. Yeah, it's like a book about like, you know, McDonald's, or for instance, when when somebody was like, oh yeah, McDonald's is good, but they should do breakfast. McDonald's is like, all right, we're going to do breakfast. It's like, oh yeah, y'all doing breakfast, y'all should do salads. All right, we're going to do salads. You know, y'all doing this, y'all should do this. And then it's like, damn, McDonald's is like losing money now compared to when they was like literally only doing burgers with cheese on them or not. Like, you want yeah. cheese or not? Motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now you're trying to service everybody. Everybody is not, it don't matter what your intentions are, everybody is not gonna like you, man. You know what I mean? And that's how I feel about that. What, what about you, Damon? Most definitely, man. Um you, you you can't get caught up in all that stuff, man. But you know, I was I was sitting here thinking real quick, and if if the, for the listeners that don't know, um I'm a damage controlman, which means I I run most of the time I run this DCPO program. And um, if you don't know, EN1 at one point in time was my LPO um of ERO9. Yeah. So, uh, so I have so I have a lot of um, you know, intel and and and, and things like that behind EN1. But I got this one story that I want to tell, man, because it's kind of funny to me. <laughs> It wasn't funny to hear one at the time, but it was so fucking funny to me, man. <laughs> I had to laugh about it real quick. Let me get this out. So one day, man, like this ain't got nothing to do with the the DCPO thing, but it had something to do with uh we had this we was running this drill God one time, it. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what where you at, man? 
Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and look, this story, um, this is not to this this story is about uh the person, not necessarily in one. All right, let's talk about the bottom it. of this. Let's get to yeah, the bottom. Yeah, but no, I don't, I don't want to get I don't want to get too crazy. But I just want to get on how on how it happened and how just how it happened, right? So I'm not gonna get too many details. Listen to me. This is what I'm saying, right? So we down in the space, man. Like we were in this drill, and we got this. We got I think it was EAP or somebody on board. Yeah, on board the ship. Yeah, it was EAP. So EAP. So the guy comes down. There's this captain came down. And it was this, this, I'm saying this story because how crazy it was to me on how it happened, right? So this, this captain is sitting way in the corner over there, way in the corner. Look, he's watching everything. So he comes up to EN1. He said, man, EN1, I think he asked, was you pointing at something like that or whatever the case may be? Was you pointing with a hot spot or whatever it was? But that wasn't the story I'm trying to, that wasn't what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is what he said. Oh, shit. <laughs> This motherfucker, Ian One. Hey, let me know if I'm lying when I say this. He told Ian One that I will kick your fucking ass, yeah. and I was like, "What the fuck?" And he, like, he was standing. I'm right there, and I do. I'm literally came and his face, his eyes was all big and shit, dude. He was yeah. serious as fuck. And dude, afterwards though, I, I know the situation wasn't funny. You know what I mean? It's a captain. You know what I mean? It wasn't funny. Full bird, right? But to hear this dude, a full bird, down there say, "I will kick your fucking ass," was like that. Shit was new to me, man. And I had Ian White because I, I remember like talking about this once before, like when we was on the ship. And I look at people. I don't know if they believe me when I said this, man, because me, me and Ian One was like right there, like right there. Everybody was kind of sprayed out in the space. But he had kind of called me over there, right? Ian One didn't he like call me over there, or whatever. Yeah, so the way that it happened is uh, the captain came up to me and said, uh, uh, stop doing that. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? And (laughs) I didn't recognize it at the time, but the way that I was standing, the way that I had my hands positioned, okay. Like, I look back at it and I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that shit. But at the same time, like, he didn't even give me any time to, like, explain anything. He just said, "Uh, what are you doing? Stop doing that. You know what? Just go stand over there. And that's when. Uh, he came to you and he was just like, Hey, like he's over there pointing out hot spots or whatever. Get him the fuck out of here. I should kick his fucking ass. He didn't ever say that in front of me. <laughs> okay. Was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were standing to the side. Yeah. 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 But it was, it was crazy though, man. It was crazy. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's wild. crazy wanna, to me, yeah. man. How that, how that, how that happened, man. Like I was like, Oh my goodness. Man. I was like, what? get up out of here, man. <laughs> Now, yeah. <laughs> look, he was a baby boomer, bro. <laughs> like, oh yeah, for yeah, sure. He, for sure, he was a baby he boomer. Definitely was a baby boomer. <laughs> like that generation, yeah. they ready to fight over a hot yeah. spot. <laughs> yeah, man. They oh, ready I'm to actually. Dude, I should kick his ass. I was like, what the fuck? That's one of the stories, man. I had to get out here, man, because that shit was so like wild for me. Not necessarily wild, because you know people always you know get into it and blah blah blah, but. For a guy at that magnitude, though, you know what I'm saying? It was like, what the hell? So the the, the right million dollar question is though, what would you have done as the senior chief in that space if that full bird captain really would have tried? I ain't asking Ian one what he would have done because I don't want to hear that. If he would have came, if he would say you kick my ass, no. If he would have tried to really actually put hand because he was like six seven. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was like 65 years old and he was like six yeah, seven, he bro. About, yeah, he was about 81 though, man. He was about 81. Man. I don't he was know like, if he's gonna be doing too he much. He was man. like Magneto. He was like Magneto age. Hey, man. I ain't gonna lie to so, you, man. He had like one more year and he probably would have yeah. passed out in the space. He was like man. Ian McClellan's <laughs> Magneto age yeah. and height, right? He but like what was he like uh, if he would have tried something, let's say he like because you know he's older, so his whole arm would have went back for the punch, right? He, he wasn't just lined it up. Like, so if he would have done this and came back and tried to do something, right? What was you gonna do as a senior chief down there? I don't, I don't know, man. That's don't even know. You see him now? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I don't know. You see what I'm saying? I would, I would, it's been look, three years. Look. It's been three years, yeah. man. He can't think I don't of know what I would do. Has it really been that situation? Yeah, it's been the dude. I, been now, I don't know. I'm just exaggerating. Though. It's probably about three years, though, man. I've been on a shift for like two, almost two. It's probably been three years. So I'm hold sure up, hold up, hold yeah. up. Let's let's take a trip back in time. So I was one of the first LPOs of ER09 when we were on that ship. So uh-huh. that that was probably around 2017, 18 time frame. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, like four years. Yeah, like, like four at least. Yeah. I think this yeah. happened in 19. This happened in like 19. That sounds right. Yeah, this happened okay. in 19. So it's actually been like three years. Probably the beginning, the middle of uh, 19. Yeah, because that was yeah. our actual, uh, that was our LOA, right? Yeah. Or that was yeah. for EOC? It was one of the two. Nah, yeah. I think it was LOA. I think it was LOA. Yo, but look, okay. man, you yeah. in a space. You in a space. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a full bird captain that's there to yeah. inspect your ship tries so to swing do, on not only yeah. one of your sellers, right? It's not just one of your sellers, it's one of your engineers, yeah. and it's one yeah. of your damage control training team members. Yeah. What you what you gonna do? I know a guy like myself, man. That's probably what I would have did, man. Mm-hmm. I probably would have let him got off on N one, right? Oh, Hit him with a two-piece, right? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and then what I would have did was broke it up so N one couldn't get him back, right? So I broke <laughs> it up, N one couldn't get him back. <laughs> And then I probably would have talked about it for like three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> I've been like, hey, we would have we would have did a reunion on the ship, and I would have got up there and said, "Anyone, you remember when that cat old ass captain hit you with that two piece? <laughs> you know, the four birds be having pistols and shit. <laughs> be having pistols, happen, man. Uh, but no, man, I don't think it would have got that far, man. I, I probably would have said, hold, player, what you doing, man? Calm down or whatever. It probably wouldn't have went that yeah, I hope it wouldn't have went that far anyway. Yeah, it's like, all right, yeah, let's maintain, you know, professionalism yeah. or whatever like that. Yeah, that was crazy. How was that uh, DCPO shit, though? How was that uh, all together, Ian Wan? I know Ian Wan got some stories, too. Oof. Oh, oh, so hold up. Let me, let me. <laughs> they were so, gonna try to control the dad. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So what I was gonna say is, like I said, I was one of the first LPOs. I took over from who is now a, a DCC. Um, he was a DC one at the time, but um, uh, I was the one that kind of started the whole program up. Like I actually went over to another ship that was a Flight Two Alpha, the same style of ship as what we were on. And uh, I got their entire layout, every single line item that was on their skid. Now, mind you, this is not just a couple hundred maintenance items. This is thousands <laughs> on thousands mm-hmm. of maintenance items, including ventilation closures, CO2 bottles, AFFF bottles, you name it. Like, we were dealing with everything on the ship. So what I was doing is comparing our ship's stuff and where it was located to this other ship's loadout from SCED. And almost everything matched up. So I loaded it up in that fashion. And if stuff came down the pipeline that needed to be changed administratively, I would have done that as it came along, which was a very frequent thing that we were doing. However, what I did not take into account for is when I loaded everything up into SCED, 
I didn't do the offsets correctly, meaning the duration of time in between when a piece of a, uh, I'm sorry, when a piece of gear has a maintenance item and another maintenance item that is supposed to follow along with it, and then so on and so forth, how far the periodicities were in between. I didn't correct that from the get-go. So it uploaded all this maintenance all at once. Mm-hmm. And all of the, the guys that uh, I had working for me at the time were not extremely familiar with all of the checks. We were not extremely familiar with all of the different equipment that had multiple maintenance items on. And uh, yeah, so we started going through DCI or DCMI, whatever you call it. And then um, we were basically told at one time, correct me if I'm wrong, but no maintenance is to be done. DCMI is the number one and only focus until it is complete, no maintenance. And a couple of weeks leading up into that, we, uh, we were falling behind on maintenance anyway. So this was like a whole month, if not a little bit more, that my guys were not doing a copious amount of maintenance. That we actually had to just put our hands down and say, okay, we're helping with this inspection. There's nothing we can really do except for do maintenance on duty days on our off time. So we ended up, uh, on the tail end of this, I went on leave. So this was like December timeframe of whatever year. And when I came back, I had a a piece of paper with my name on it, waiting for me talking about (laughs) 483 PMS alerts and the XO wasn't having that. Uh, He was a little bit upset about that. And, uh, yeah, I remember that day extremely well. I, I, (laughs) Yeah, that was hey, awesome. So, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so I didn't bring this up. I wasn't gonna bring that up yet. What? But uh, since it's you funny. It up, it's Fuck funny. it, it's funny. <laughs> so let me tell you some mistakes that was made right there, though. Right. So one, me and DCC at the time, I think it was Mc uh, Braden, right? I think it was was Braden. Well, DCC at the time. Yet, but we took different leave days, right? Yeah, or whatever the case may be. So, oh no, it was HTC. That's who it was. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. That's what. So we took different leave days. So some crazy way, me and Ian won, take the same leave period, right? So me and him actually come back to, yeah, me and him come (laughs) back the same time. But I thought, but but me and Ian won already talked about that. I think we had a a plan. We had. had. The the plan was in, the plan was in, (laughs) (laughs) you right had. Look, the plan was there. So when we get back, (laughs) hey, them, them some good, hey, Whoever out there listening right now, if you was a year old nine during that time, and you know what we're talking about right now, you could hit us up. So we gets back and we got 400 and some checks. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then we all like, we like, what the fuck? It's crazy right now. Cause I don't know. Like, I'm like, we didn't lost them. These checks are lost. And we can't go back and, and do this or whatever. But the lesson learned is one, one of the biggest things is I, I learned from that is, man, is that, that the plan was in place. But I don't think we had like a single person there for one to say, okay, yeah, we told all these guys to do these checks, but then, you know, whatever the case, something happened and it just didn't happen, whatever. But what I did learn from that is, man, when when what Ian one brought up earlier about the periodicities and stuff, man, when, it, when you first put that stuff in place, dude, it was happening to us so much because we was doing a pre-com and when people was entering in that stuff, it wasn't just ERO9. When people was entering that shit and they weren't putting those new dates in and stuff, man, and all that shit started popping at the same time, boy, it was crazy, man. I remember, I remember signing off on like checks, man. It was like, like 
two thousand checks before, man. That got done in a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, 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 like that's crazy, man. Like crazy. So if you don't get those offsets in there, and for example, I'm gonna give you one example, and I don't want to get too much in damage control, but one example was like deck drains on a DDG. It's Ooh. four or five hundred deck drains. Yeah, there's a lot, right? So if you don't get those offsets right, four or five hundred deck drains gonna pump at the same time. Yep, and you got to take them all out, lubricate them, and all this. Man, that's a crazy amount of man hours on that. So, yeah, man, we was the beginning was a struggle, but we ended up getting it right though. But it was a struggle. I mean, I yeah, it took me a little to- while uh, just to you know in this little era we were talking about here. Uh, so I was up there for I think a total of eight and a half months, and I even said to the whole chain of command, and I, I even promised you, Damon, that I was gonna fix that before I left or turned over to another person. Which I not only found it to be the right thing to do, but I kind of felt, well, I, I didn't kind of feel. I, I felt 100% responsible for that happening. And uh, even though there were some, you know, things that weren't really in my control, I still took full responsibility for it. But um, I, yeah, I fixed everything. And before I turned over to who is now a GSMC, but he was a GSM1 when I turned over to him, I made sure that um, my hands were washed clean of the entire 483 PMS alert thing. So we got it all the way down to, if I'm not mistaken, it was eight PMS alerts. And those were due to like broken doors, uh, broken dogs on doors, a uh, CO2 bottles, like a charging handle got broken off. So it was stuff that it was like legitimate jobs were put in for and they were legitimate check notes. It wasn't just, oh, we couldn't do it because we didn't have time. You know, it wasn't anything like that at that point. So it was comfortable enough for not only you, but for me to finally turn over that position to the oncoming first class who was then the new LPO. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that I respect about you, Ian, one is that you always like based off of my experience, when it was something that you knew you could own, you always did own it. Like you always took ownership over that shit. You know, even if it was other people to blame, like you took ownership over whatever your part. I remember like one of our duty days where I forgot like everything that happened, but I think like, like nobody woke up in the morning or some shit. Like, you know, it's engineering. So we used to like, Everybody, you know how engineering duck out of the duty section shit. Oh yeah, no muster in the morning. <laughs> so that, yeah. So these yeah, back in my in. yeah, these yeah. back in my. Remember, I was saying on one of the other episodes, these back in my like when I get up to turn over RS one going off like you know like RS one just barking at like the lonely engineer there, and I got to be like, hey, what's going on? You know, did I hear like my engineers? You know, so but it's I remember Ian one. I think we had a plan because something happened. We was getting ready for something. And I remember seeing Ian one even, you know, slept in, I think. And I'm like, when I saw Ian one, I'm like, man, ain't nobody show up. Boom, boom, boom. So we got everybody together. I was kind of pissed. And I'm like, remember, I, don't, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm like, yo, let's just write everybody up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I remember like that. everybody get a counseling <laughs> shit, right? And, and I, I yeah, it. I told Ian one, I'm like, yo, Ian one, <laughs> write a counseling shit for everybody. And I, I felt like what he did was dope because he was like, yo, this, this is on me first he was like this on me first he was like and i'm owning it first and i'm the first person that's gonna sign the counseling shit because it was like you know it's giving them away like candy like it's a stack of like <laughs> yo line up line up you gonna sign it you know he was like yo i'm a i'm the first person like i'm gonna sign mine first and then you know because he we had to give everybody else you know a counseling shit so i mean i always respected that man 
Always. You remember oh, that? Well, I appreciate it. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. That remember shit that. was funny, man. The other thing, the yeah, other thing that sucked. I, the, the other thing that I, I talked about it on our podcast too. But now we could put face the name. The other thing that's always gonna burn in my memory was, I want to say we found out that we was having kids around the same time. I want to say we both found yeah. out that you know we were pregnant around the same time. And we started talking a lot, like, because I think we were on the same watch team um, for, for the majority of uh, everything. We was on the same watch team, which I want to salute that watch team because that's part of the reason why we made this podcast. Right. Um, yeah. And you might be the second person from that family of, you know, that watch team that we actually, you know, sat down with. But um, so we we were talking about different things, plans for the kids, shit like that, shit like that. Then one day I remember walking in the log room and you was like, yo, chief. This why it was some shit you were saying about babies, right? He was like, "See, this is the shit I got to deal with," or something. <laughs> and and you looked at me, and I looked at you, and you just kind of knew, you know. You was like, and I was like, "Yeah, it ain't happening," you know what I'm saying? And you was like, "Yeah, okay, my bad." And the one thing that I started to like about our our watch team was we really did develop like this quiet understanding of all right today is not the day to fuck with the person you know right you know we had talk you know it's a watch team so we talk shit we you know whatever but you knew when it was for real like oh shit it's for real you know and oh, that's yeah, for sure yeah and that's like one of the things i do like when you build that bond in the navy where it's like you know i fuck with this person every day but i know today ain't the day you know and and, and i knew that you knew that that day and it's been days that we knew I mean, you got your, Ian one got his traditions, you know what I mean? So he going to come in the CCS, he going to fuck with the chair. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> remember that? Remember that, David? Like, he going to come in the CCS. You was on our watch team too, right? For, 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 for some time, right? Me? Yeah, I was on that for, yeah. Yeah, for a minute. So he going to adjust Long that time. pack chair. He going to fight with it, you know, for a couple yeah. minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. You know, and then it's. We gonna get you gonna we gonna get what we get right the normal watch day but every now and then it's a day that it's like oh shit okay all right I'm gonna leave him alone yeah we not gonna do this today you know and some of those days I knew it was some of those days when you was trying to do the the personnel swap the one for one swap or whatever yeah like that. yeah I tell you what man like in our days of standing watch down there man like I had some of the best times man oh. because because the reason why is like a lot of it come from me and one man because. I am this guy that like you're not gonna kill my mood, you know. Ian one always used to try. Ian <laughs> one used to try. Ian one used to come in there. He used to have attitude. But when I see him come in the door, Pissed, and he right? say, you know, he got an attitude about the thing. Man, I, I'm perked up then. I'm like ready to go because I'm finna get out mess with Ian one every day. Like when he be like upset about something, I think he upset. I think somebody didn't tweak his nerves or. Whatever the case may be, man, it just makes my day, man, because I know we're about to have some good conversation yeah, right now. Yeah. At the time I talk, I say some stuff out loud a couple of times, he may not respond. But once he responds, he unloads, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> damn, like all that was bottled up. Like, uh, yeah, man, we just had some freaking good ass conversations in that, man. It was no doubt some good shit, man. Yeah, we be in that a lot bitch. of time. No, I was going to say, we be in that bitch laughing. We be in that bitch laughing, joking. Yeah. Here come in one, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mad about something. Hey, so check this out. Like, it's a common mis uh, misconception for everybody to think that I'm like mad all the time, right? I'm yeah. usually not mad. Mm -hmm. If I'm legitimately mad, I'm not talking. 
Yeah. Like when yeah. I, when I get mad, mad, I'm not talking. That's yeah. all there yeah. is to it. So if I'm talking, no, no, no. I'm working through yeah. the frustration and I'm usually yeah. just really, really passionate about everything in, in the Navy, the, the aspect of my job, uh, how good I do my job, how well I treat my sailors. I'm super passionate about that stuff. So I come yeah. across very harsh, very coarse when I, you know, act yeah. like I'm mad. So when I, when, I, when, I, when I say when I say the word mad, I'm more talking about frustrated. Yeah, because yeah. When, I, when you when you when, I, when, I, when you say frustrated, that's what I mean because of the fact that I think a lot of times you get you get frustrated because how someone do how they do things. Oh you know yeah, what I mean? they yeah. can do things a certain way, and you be like, "Man, why the fuck they do it like that?" You know what I mean? It's so much, yeah. you know, the way people, you know, do things. So you get, you be thinking about that stuff all the time. Like, and why we do it like that? Why we do this? Why we do that? So that to me is good conversations, man. Yeah. Because it's always, I always thought in the Navy that it was always a, a reason, you know what I mean? Or why people do things a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, right. I had this thing on, a, I had this thing on, a, on, a, on one ship, man, um, that this uh, DC-2, was doing this P100, man. She was doing a, a, a deep suction on the P100. And she hooked the fireman through the bottom of the um, the bottom of the uh eductor. And she was telling me that, you know, you said she said, you guys always told me, you know, if we can find a better way to do this, do it that way. Yeah. And I said, and and I was like, but you're not. You know, you're not doing it a better way. Because the, first off, the PMS card tells you to do it a certain way, and you being in second class, you got all these young people doing it the wrong way, for one, right? And then I told her the reason why we're doing this is so you can prime the P100. How are you going to prime the P100 sending the fire main through the eductor? You got to send it through the pump to prime it. <laughs> you know, so 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 I'm trying to let her make sense of this stuff, and then once it start making sense, then she start understanding. You mean, oh, okay, I get it, but the crazy part is about it is though she is now frustrated because she thought she was doing it a certain way, but a lot of times no one sit down and had these conversations, explain people to why, you know, things are done a certain way. A lot of times people things are done a certain way is because you're either doing it wrong just to be doing it wrong, blood somebody then died, or from you wouldn't fuck some equipment up. Yeah, you know what I mean. One other that's the reason why a lot of things is done like that, and I love conversations like that. Like people be frustrated because. A lot of times, though, in one, your way could be better. But if you never say anything, who's going to ever know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you would never know. That's why we was having great conversations, man, because you never know, right? You know? Yeah, we used to kick it, man. We used to kick it. And I think we understood that, too. We understood it wasn't, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. rage and anger. Right. It was more oh, frustration. No, 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 you know, no, we understood no, that. No, no. I could tell because I remember when... um. <laughs> We might as well, right? I remember when uh, we was running the drill, man. It, 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 you had um, redacted, uh, almost got to like, <laughs> no, we had just got finished doing, dr- yeah, drills for quals. And Ian one and you was in there too, David. Ian one and redacted, damn, they got into a fight. Who? And Ian one just looked calm, like, super oh, you're talking calm. about Ramos. It, yeah, well, I said redacted because I was redacting uh, his name. Oh, you were the, saying the redacted. I thought you were saying yeah, a- <laughs> redacted. Yeah, so I was Yo, not bad. saying his name. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> I do remember that. You was in there, right? You remember you was yeah, in there? I was in there. He was in yeah, there. There was a lot of people yeah. in there. Not a bad story on anybody's part, so I didn't know yeah. reason not to say his name. But they got into it. But I remember because uh, redacted 
Ramos, not at this fucking point, right? But he was pissed, and the N1 was just calm, yeah. you know. They but like, you know, so I was like, oh shit. And the one was like, yo, you like you talking like I was like, yeah, said that. He's like, you talking like you want to do something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I said was like, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like he had to assess, like, hold on, I'm assessing how you talking. Like, you talking like you want to do something, you know? And then Ron was like, yeah, man, we're going. You know, and I think at some point, did I think at some point we, you know, everybody yeah, kind of intervened or whatever, but I was like, that. it was funny because how calm he, he stayed or whatever like that. That was funny. It was so many of those situations, but it's funny because Ramos was, was in a lot. Of, <laughs> there was a lot. Ramos was in a lot yeah. of those situations. A lot of those yeah, situations. He was another one, boy. The GSMs was some gangsters, you. man. The GSMs was some gangsters. Ramos actually hit me up. I was in um uh Rhode Island and uh he... I, I put out a picture from SCA. He was like, damn, you was in Rhode Island? I was like, yeah. He was like, how come you ain't hit me up? I'm like, yo, I ain't know you was in Rhode Island. He was like, yeah, I ain't know you was in Rhode Island. I'm like, yeah, well, that's why, <laughs> that's why I ain't hit you up, man. But um, <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, sh- shout out to him. But them GSMs, man, they almost, they, well, MP division, period. I don't know, they was almost, like, violent, bro. And, yeah, man, let me tell you about MP that, that I can't, I cannot discredit. Right, damn near every one of those guys that was there from the jump made chief man. They oh, had no, like they a, all if, they was E5, if they was E five and above, they all did. They had they a farm. All did. I system. think maybe said one, huh? Well, the one dude made officer. All of so them. they had a farm system, Who made bro. The, uh, no, no, no. One more the first one. Right. The first yeah. one. The older guy. Yeah, the first name. The, the first LPO. Guy. The one that was from uh, Africa. Yeah. No, 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 not him. Oh, but the he's older, probably older. He, he probably gonna make it too. So he probably gonna make it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, like I'm yeah. telling you, they had a farm system. Like, like the moment one of them make it or two of them make it, because it'd be yeah, like two at the same man. time. The next yeah, two, right after each other, right after right right the farm system. Like they there had was a GSM yeah. that made chief every year. I was on that shit. every year. Yeah. yeah, no lie, no boot, no BS, man. I was like, damn, boy. Yeah, they had a they had That's a good, good they had a good thing. All right, let's get into a couple like just random questions that I really want to hear from uh Ian One. Um, what do you think is the Navy's biggest uh problems, man? Three three issues that you think that the Navy has Ooh. that we could like we could areas that we need to improve in. The 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 Navy in general. Okay. Um I've been asked this question by many of junior sailors, many of older sailors, and and it, even my superiors, right? And the first thing that always comes to mind for me is, unfortunately, that this be the truth across the entire Navy, all the, all the fleets across the world, that we train not how we fight, but we train to a curriculum for an inspection. We don't, we don't train to fight wars. We train to a training criteria. And unfortunately, I think that the Navy... And especially in this day and age, 2022, man, this ain't 1940 with battleships. You know what I'm saying? Like we have, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that, but we have weaponry now that is way more technologically advanced than it ever has been ever in the history of any Navy. Right. So I think we need to actually adjust in the Navy how we train because we're not training to fight wars. We're not training to save the ship in 150 different scenarios. No, we, we cookie cutter train to a, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? A like, yeah, a cookie cutter. Essentially you are cookie cuttering 
how we train to a DC drill, a triple T drill, uh, a combat systems training team drill. It's, it's all the same across the Navy. And if you look at one ship compared to another ship, they train the exact same way and the exact same drill. And unfortunately that, that is just a recipe for disaster. That is going to get the Navy in some trouble in the future. I, I don't think it'll be while I'm still in the Navy, but let's say for instance, 20, 30 years from now, there is a, a situation that comes up where maritime warfare may be imminent. If we're still training the way that we're training now, I guarantee that America is not going to strategically act correctly to that response or as a response. It's going to be cookie cutter. Hey, we trained like this on this certain scenario, so let's do this exact thing. When that's probably not going to be the answer nine times out of ten. So that's the first one. Mm-hmm. The second thing is I think the Navy's making strides to pay more attention to the mental uh, mental stability of their sailors. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's more the Navy is focused on itself as an organization rather than focusing on each sailor as individuals. And I even you know brought this up before. That's why I find it very, uh, very important that as a leader, we must understand that these sailors are people. They are people like you and I. They have everyday problems. They have families. And a lot of them have kids. So when something comes up like, hey, like my kid is sick. I got to take my kid to the hospital, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes that sailor is stuck in a position where they're not allowed to go for whatever reason their chain of command gives them. And that sailor is at that point, they're destroyed morally. They're completely crushed. Their morale gets put down into the dirt. It's, it's just hard to watch. And it's happened to me too. But I think the Navy again is making strides to make that better and you know, be more forthcoming to addressing situations like that when sailors have issues or personal problems. But uh, I still think we have a long way to go because, uh, like I said, the Navy, we, cook, we train to a cookie-cutter model, and if someone just so happens to be in part of a drill or something, that they can't be lost. They can't take a day off or take half a day off to go take care of their personal stuff when that's not the answer, or at least should not be the answer. Because when you're family or a relative or hell, even yourself are having something that you need to be addressed by a medical professional in some way, shape or form or capacity, it needs to be addressed. And I mean, let's just look at what's going on right now in the medical community with the fallout of COVID. I tried to get a dermatology appointment back in the end of May, middle to end of May. And they told me there was absolutely no available appointments to any dermatologist at UCSD or SDSU, or even outside doctors that take TRICARE until August. Mm-hmm. I had to wait five months to get an appointment. That's nuts. And just, just hearing that, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of other sailors out there that are going through similar situations. And the Navy is even now farming out some of these appointments to civilian sector guys. And even them, they are getting overran too. So, I mean, hey, we, we need to treat people better. That's, that's, that's a number two for me. And number three, and I think it's only a close number three due to how near and dear to my heart it is. Um, 
I'm not saying this happens a lot, but there's a lot of stuff in the Navy that we probably don't want to address too directly, but false flags and false accusations. And what I mean by that is there are sailors out there that, you know, will make a claim to either a simio complaint or a, you know, even other complaints in different areas, right? And they are not true. Simple. I'm not saying that they all are. I'm saying that my situation, what happened to me years and years ago, I was faced with a false accusation. And hell, I was under investigation by NCIS for 11 months. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know if I was going to go sit in prison for something that I didn't do or if if I was going to be constantly berated and, and questioned and interrogated by NCIS uh, agents and whatnot, I had no idea what to expect. And I had no idea what was going on because nobody would tell me what was going on because of the nature of the claim and the nature of the you know, situation at hand. But I think stuff like that, it, it needs to go away. And as long as we have people that are conniving, people that are maybe narcissistic or, you know, just simply evil, because there are people out there like that. As long as we have those people that are coming into the Navy, that is never going to stop. But I do find that extremely important because I've actually seen a guy on my, uh, this was my second ship. He was a BM too. And his wife was a very abusive drunk. And, And I don't mean like she would just yell at him, throw things and stuff like that. No, like This dude ended up getting arrested one night for a domestic violence charge against his wife, allegedly. But when he was arrested, his arm was broken. Both of his eyes were black and blue. His nose was broken. He had a busted tooth, part of his fourth tooth right here, chipped out. Like, this dude was beaten the hell up by his wife. And he still ended up going to jail. Makes no sense to me. But anyway, I fast forward to what happened to him in the Navy. So he ended up going UA and it was because he spent time in jail. Mm -hmm. He couldn't help that. He couldn't do anything about that. But the Navy still prosecuted him for being UA. Yeah. That that to me is bullshit. It's complete, utter bullshit. That guy had the literal shit kicked out of him by his wife. Spent mm-hmm. two, three, however many nights in jail, and then gets out, comes to the command, and they're like, uh, hey, sorry, buddy, you were UA. You're going on restriction. We're taking your money, half, pay- half months paid times two, so on and so forth. Yes. Yeah, what like, the hell? That's yeah. trash. I don't care who you are. That's trash. It's like standards for standards sake. Like, exactly. I'm reading a book about the coal right now, and um, after all of the sellers did what they did to like recover the ship and make sure that, you know, they could, you know, put the ship on tugs and get it away from there. Like after two weeks of like emergency response to a devastating situation that killed 17 of their shipmates, it was a conversation about if these sellers could have convalescent leave or not. Like it was like, yo, can these sellers have convalescent leave? And then it was like, uh, at the first answer was like, no, they can't because of black and white instruction, this instruction, that, you know, then they right. had to find a workaround to make sure that these sellers could have convalescent leave that part. And then another part that what you just said made me think about was after all of that, you know, happens, the, the cold happens, right? We're going to talk a lot about it, I think next week. Right. But a lot of fight or flight, you know, and it's like, yo, somebody, you know, they told a captain eventually like, yo, you know, 
this this has to get investigated, right? Every action that was taken during the emergency response has to be investigated, you know? And I can't imagine, you know, having a, like being in a fight or flight mentality and somebody being like, yo, you didn't dress those wounds correctly during, you know, day two of, you know, addressing casualties or y'all didn't do this right. Or y'all failed to use the proper, you know, comms, you know, when this or that was happening, it's like, yo, like we just went through a real life, you know, scenario. And now we talk about standards for standards sake or whatever like that. And, And certain things do require, I'm not saying that throw away every standard, but like for that seller, like, yo, you gotta consider that why he was UA and what happened, you know, and all of that shit, just like the cold. Like, it's like, yo, we have to consider that some people, you know, started to just take human. Yeah. We trained to a lot of this shit, but some of these things might happen. Like people started to take human, you know, stuff. However, though, um, the military investigators, they didn't read these sellers that rights. Like, you know, they like, <laughs> they, 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 they like, yeah, we just doing this cause we have to, like, we not about to fucking, they want to get in trouble for that later, but it's like, yo, we not really about to try to hold y'all to the fire. We knew y'all was in a survival, you know, mentality or whatever. You know, it's funny. It's, it's interesting. I'm reading about, you know, the, 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 the cold right now, getting ready for another episode, man. And uh, it's interesting that engine, the engineering log was the log that they, used to like like that was the legitimate time of the casualty the engineering log that was the legitimate time that they logged the casualty right. not the not the log in the pilot house or nowhere like that it was the engineering log because they felt like that was yep. the, it was 11 18 that was they felt like that was the time or whatever but it's, it's very interesting i don't want to call us out this episode because we're going to talk a lot about the cold um real soon yeah. you know in the upcoming episode but that's what i felt like from which now i got a question though based off of the first two things you said um my question is this do you think that Big Navy, not even Big Navy, let me take Big Navy out. Do you think that the people that uh, state, the people that state the standards should probably go different places at ground level and observe how the standards that they state are actually being executed? Well, yeah, of course. Absolutely. But I, I don't really see that uh, being extremely feasible for you know, policymakers and war com- warfare commanders and stuff like that. It's, it's just not feasible, uh, realistically. But I think at the very same time, whatever free time that they do happen to have, or at least a allotted time that they could possibly be given to go see how their instructions slash policies are being implemented throughout different, you know, ships and commands across the fleets. Um, I do think that they should at least a couple of times in a quarter or a, you know a semi-annual part of the year, go and observe uh, how these policies and instructions are being carried out, because a lot of them, which may be extremely needed and, of course, warranted, uh, some of them actually impede progress. Some of them actually are counterproductive. And I do believe that when stuff like that is noticed, when stuff like that is brought up, that it should be addressed at that warfare commander level or a policy makers level and should either go away or be amended. One of the two. Yeah. I asked that cause I'm thinking about like, if I was, if I was that very high ranking officer, whoever I was, and I like roll, you know, roll, like roll my way up the chain and I finally got to somewhere and I'm like, yo, we're going to do drills 
real, like real, you know, scenario. We're going to make drills feel like some actual, you know, situation that we could actually be in. I'd be devastated if I went to a ship to observe drills and they was doing like cookie, like, like you said, like they was doing the same cookie cutter bullshit that you say we see. And I'm like, yo, I said that we're going to do drills more realistic. Like what the hell is going on on this ship? Even with the mental health, you know? And I'm like, yo, we want to take a strict focus on mental health. And, you know, and then I get to the ground level and I'm seeing that, yeah, we said this, you know, we established this, but nobody's like, really holding up their end of the bargain at the level that they supposed to hold up their end of the bargain. So then it is like, yeah, the Navy saying something, big Navy saying something, but like, what are we really doing? It's like, damn, like 25 hands down underneath me saying it, like, yo, y'all still got to hold it down. You know what I mean? And that's what I think with the drills. Like, it's like, are the drills, like are the standards? And you might be able to answer this name and more than anybody else. Are like when you look at the drill standards, like the packages and the um the grading criteria and shit like that, are they really cookie cutter and shitty? Or is it more in the hands of the the people that's executing the shit? Are their standards lower? Is the people that's inspecting the shit standards lower? Or is it just a bad thing that we need to, you know, make improvement on? And I'm and I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just kind of thinking about ideas or whatever like that. You know? Yeah, man. I, I I look at it like this. I think it's a maybe a little bit of both, but at the same time, man, like when you have a that many REs, you know, being uh to execute, you can't go all in on all of them. You know what I mean? You can't go all in because you'll never get them all done. You can never get them all scheduled. And I'm just talking about how many I have by myself. I have 16 of them, right? to get knocked out. Ain't no way I could do all 16 of those within the time frame. Then you got to think about combat systems, operations department, seamanship, uh, the ATMs. You got to think about all these other people that got to run all they stuff too. It'll be, it'd be, it won't be realistic to get them all done. Right. So with that, with that, with that being said, I'm a firm believer in what we try to do. And I feel like this is what we try to do. I feel like we try to get the basics out there because we never know what's going to happen. We never know, like like a a cold hit or a uh, or a McCain hit or Fitzgerald or any ships. We never know the extent of it. So if we can get a lot of the basic, you know, stuff that we can do, hopefully when shit hit the fan, we can go out there and execute. You know what I mean? But we can't run a. It's hard to run a realistic, you know, seven casualties going on at the same time. That'd be like that'd be complicated as hell. You know what I mean? To try to, to try to execute and the time to execute that. But I mean, I agree. I most definitely agree um, when it comes to drills and it comes to anything um, material wise too. Um, the way we say things are set is probably way easier than it should be. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Like you can damn near like freaking mix. If you miss X, Y, and Z, <laughs> you probably still passing that thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's so... I think that criteria can be a little bit better, um, but um, I think it's going to be like that though. In one, just just what what the the on how we do business. Period, man. You know what I mean on how to execute all the stuff that we have to execute. Um, you, you you already know, man. Like it's from one inspection to another when you're on a ship. Yeah, it doesn't stop at all. People coming your board your ship every week for something, and that's you know, and so. that's actually the issue that I was trying to address is that 
you have all of these different inspection criteria. Let's let's just take it all the way to the beginning here. There's, you know, ready one, ready two, ready three, ready four, ready five, ready six, ready seven. What? But why? Okay, let's break it down. So ready one, ready two, they have their own separate uh, things that they're inspecting for. Ready three, it's, you know, prior to going into a dry dock, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And they're all systematically designed to happen before something happens or happen after something happens. For instance, LOA, anytime you go through any type of CMAB that puts the ship in, uh, in an unavailable deployable status, after 90 days, an LOA must be conducted. Unfortunately, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? If the ship can light off and train their own people in their training teams to be able to bring that ship to life, why? And then we have EOC. EOC is literally a mirror image of LOA with a couple of extra things. Mm-hmm. Why? And then you have Ready 6 and Ready 7, basically a standard before an insert. Why? It's the exact same thing. And I want to. There's add, all these separate inspection criteria that I'm, follow I'm the same you, thing. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. It's a lot of the same things, but you need to look at the history behind these same things because people are failing them. Well, that's what I right? want to do. People was failing inserts so much. So guess what? The Ready Six is actually the pre-insert. The Ready Seven is what they fail in Ready Six, right? So, but oh, the thing right, about right, it, yeah, they I are. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's good, it's good. But it, but it is though. What it is because people are failing this stuff, man. Right, they're not doing good on it. So what they doing is they adding shit to it and adding shit to it and adding shit to it, and it's overwhelming, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I ain't gonna lie to that. Because we've been on shit, we know what time. You it think is. some this of that gotta crazy. do with why they failing though? Because it's so much shit. Like it's like it's no precedent. So that's I, what I was, I was about to say when I was at SCA. Um, one of the chiefs brought up, Mick Prime was there. I'm not going to talk about the way he answered it. But in, yeah. a, in the Q&A segment, this chief was a part of ATG. And she was like, hey, it's ATG. We're, we're frustrated because if we go to a ship and we say like, hey, they not ready to get underway because like real major shit, like they don't have the people in the spots that they need, you know, you need certain people mm-hmm. uh, on a ship. Yeah. They like, they don't have these critical, you know, billets. And it's like, all right, but the skipper of the ship or whoever it was, the Desron, the strike group commander, whatever it was, signed off. This ship getting underway anyway. Even though ATG went, and I know you could probably, you know, talk to this more, Damon, because you're over there. Even though ATG went to the ship and was like, yo, they not cut out for it, you know, it's like, all right, fuck that. We got, we gonna sign something, and they still gonna get underway. So, I mean, does that take away from the importance and, and that coupled with the amount of inspections and stuff we do? Does that take away from like the element of like, yo, it's game time. Let's really get prepared and do this. So, <clears throat> let me address one thing first. A lot of times when we doing, uh, when you say a ship, somebody sign off on something, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times what they do is they go get it from another dip, get it from another ship. If you got to say, let's say you got a QM, you can't get on the way without a QM. Yeah, Normally what they do up. is they sign off on it because they go get another one from somewhere else. Yeah. So a lot of times they do have it to get on the way. It just may not be theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, with the training piece though, man, what I tell you about the training piece is a lot of those trainings are leading up to, to, a, to a, a finished product. So it seems like a lot, but it's kind of like a building block. 
yeah, it's like piece, the end type it's shit. like portion yeah. by portion, a slow yeah, portion walk by portion. To... Yeah, that's what it is, but but at the same time though, you still this is what gets me, man. I'm gonna tell you what gets me with the training on the ship. And I and I'm telling you, I'm in this field, I'm doing it all the time. What kills me is so I'm at TMIT, right? So now you got IRAC coming on, right? Some people got what they call rat coming on. Then you got all these other identities coming on to help the ship, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes people don't understand that the ship is calling these people to help. Yeah. This ain't necessarily saying, hey, this is, uh, you got a team coming on board right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, we lost. What, what is we lost anyone. Yeah, that's all good. Okay. So, but, so what it's saying is, is the fact that we got some, we got the ship is asking for this help from certain identities to come on board and help them prepare for a LOA or EOC or a, you know, inserve or whatever the case may be. So yeah. a lot of times, man, believe it or not, a lot of this time, cause the ship don't want to fail, yeah. you know? So they asking for this help. So, I mean, and, and, and you know, we, me and you always talk about this anyway, man. A lot of times what happens is we don't know both sides of this stuff, right? Yeah. We don't know like, okay, is the ship asking why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Because you know, the ship may ask for it too. Yeah, I always been too busy for the uh, rep when they come in. Like when they when they come to the ship, I always been like, board, yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. I got too much shit going on. I can't like sit. I yeah. can't sit with you. And, and on top that. of that, uh, on top of that stuff, man. Like I remember Rat coming on board the ship when I was there before, and I remember like telling them like, hey, like I know, <laughs> I know what you come on board to do, but if you want to look at my admin, go grab it and look at it. Uh, but. I know what I need to do, though. You know what I'm saying? I, I I understand we ain't where we need to be at, but right now, man, I got, you know, 1,500 checks to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and, but, but on top of that, though, I was asked from my chain, do we need help? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I told them, I said, no. I said, we don't need no help. But they sent one guy anyway, you know what I mean? Just to check and see what's up. And I remember talking to him. He was like, yeah, man, you good. And then that was kind of like the end of it. But, you know, I did get asked, though. So that was good, mm-hmm. but yeah, man. Oh, man. All right, so that was a technical difficulty. Uh, I can't blame Damon this time, though. You know what I'm saying? I got to put the onus on um, Ian One. We talked about how he always take, you know, how he always take the onus anyway, so I'm sure he'll take this one as well. <laughs> yeah, might as well. I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, hey. hey, don't get it twisted, though. That's that's normally Domo's uh, internet, though. Don't, don't let him get that. Don't let him get away with that word. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just high tech. It's got so much stuff going on over here, man. You know, so every now and then the internet don't work the way I want it to. But, um, <laughs> hey, this was a good conversation. I feel like this was the start of a good conversation. I already know sitting like me, Damon, and Ian London been together talking for four to six hours at times because we NCCS supposed to be on watch, right? So, but oh, yeah. we've been talking for, <laughs> for hours, you know, watching the plant, Chang, but we've been talking for hours. But, um, so this was a good one. Uh, but I, I just, I want to go back to uh, one thing before I finish up. And I want to say that, you know, um, me leaving the ship was was uh, emotional. I think we talked about it on a podcast. For me, um, I think it had a lot to do with the time in my life uh, that everything happened. I lost, you know, one of the best people in my life when I got to the ship, which was my grandma. And when I left the ship, and I had lost my other grandma right before that. But when I got to the ship, like soon as I got there, I lost my grandma. And leaving the ship, me and my wife lost a baby. 
um, and everything that we experienced, you know, throughout that time on the ship. And um, the unlikely uh, <laughs> bond, you know, that I was able to build with engineers even outside of my division and sellers even outside of my division, not just engineers, put me in this weird position where some sellers I didn't even want to kind of like have that last conversation with, right? So it was a couple of sellers I knew I had to talk to, right? Like my div, my, my divos and stuff like that. But it was a few of y'all that I knew I could fucking avoid, right? Um, um, FC1 was one of them. I avoided her, you know? And Ian1 was another one. I'm not going to talk to this dude before I get out of here. <laughs> I don't want this dude to see me crying crocodile tears and stuff like that. Um, and that was a respect thing, you know? And I never wanted it. And I, I, I felt like I built enough of a rapport with everybody that they would know that like, damn, I ain't see, you know, chief, um, you know, it must've been hard for him. Like I, I, I ain't feel like nobody would be like, I ain't see chief when he left. Fuck that dude. He never cared. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think it would have been more of the other thing, but you were, you were one of the people that I did not want to see, man. I did not want to see. Cause you was one of the people that I knew I was going to actually miss. You know what I mean? And, uh, I damn. knew that would be, yeah, I knew that would be hard. You know what I mean? So, I definitely want to uh, kind of say that before uh, we we do close out. Uh, we, I had great times. We had great on the ship. We had great conversations. Half of the shit we talked about, we cannot talk about in a public uh, forum. Yeah, that's, you that's know what for I mean? sure. <laughs> you know, but I learned a lot from our conversations about everything, you know, um, space, science, people, personalities, how people re- react to things, shit like that. So um, I'll be forever indebted you know, to you comedians for that shit. Oh yeah. yeah. Always. We debating about, <laughs> we, yo, we debated about everything. Like we debated everything. everything. We debated about comedy. We debated about sports. Like we always had some shit, you know, to debate about. And one day I think we'll recreate that one day, right? We're going to get GSE one up here. We're going to have you up here. We're going to have everybody yeah. oh, that yeah. was ever, um, you know, a part of uh, our, our whole team up here to, to do that. If we, need we do that, though, we need people. Yeah, we need to also simulate people <laughs> acting like they sign in mod Z, right? That's one of the things. That's one of the things we gotta have. Like people acting like they checked oh, for mod Z man. and they signed it because we used to check the hell out of them, you know. But hey, like I said, Ian, I appreciate you. Uh, and uh, it was hard to say bye, so I'm glad I didn't have to. I'm glad we still get to kind of have these kind of conversations. And I don't think this is the last one we'll have. So thanks for you right. know, from me to you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, man. Hey, same with. Same with me, though, in one a man. Like, I want to tell you, man, like, you always held your own when we had conversations, man. You always held your own. You always in, you, like, like we talked about earlier, man, you know something about freaking everything. Yeah. It's, it's no, it's, I'm not even bullshitting when I say that. <laughs> you know something about everything. And most of the time, it's, like, right on spot. So, hey, man, like I said, good luck to you in the future, man. I know we're going to have another conversation like this. Um, you most definitely was one of those guys on the ship, man, that we was always talking about, you know, regardless of the situation, we was always talking about you. Um, and then most of the time it was good stuff, man. One of the hardest working guys I ever been, you know, part of on board a ship. So I want to make sure that's known, man. One of the hardest working guys, man. But yeah, until next time, man, for sure. All right. Well, I thank you guys both very much for having me on. Hopefully this won't be the last time. Uh this, like, uh, like you said, Damo, this was a really good start of a really good conversation. And I'm sure that we could, you know, go light years on hours and hours down that rabbit hole all over again during, you know, different conversations about different topics. And uh, 
I just really, I, I've been waiting to get on this podcast for a long time. I, I've never been on a podcast. This is my first time. So thank you guys for that. <laughs> but, uh, other than that, um, I, uh, I find it very important, the bonds that we create with other people inside of the Navy, because, uh, to be quite honest, man, like I would have got out a long time ago if it wasn't for the camaraderie and, and this, the genuine love that you find within other people that, you know, either have like or dislike types of, uh, you know, mentalities that we do. And sometimes it's, it's better to disagree than it is to agree. And, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes the very, uh, very opposite is true as well, but no matter the case, it, it's it's the relationships and the bonds that we build in the Navy that I find most important. And that's what's kept me in. And uh, hopefully these two E out letters that I got will uh, put me beside you guys mm. one day in the near future. Mm. So uh, like I told I, I really you, hope like to I told you, call come. me. Like I told yeah. you, call me, man. I, I need to, you know, I need to make a visit. If we hear something, let me know. It's different. It's weird for me now because I'm running a season. So I got to find a way to squeeze a visit out but let me know man i'm trying to come through don't man. worry i'm coming to see him <laughs> yeah. in san diego i'm coming yeah. to see you yeah, yeah i'm here in san diego out. let's let's do it yeah and good luck with most the baby definitely. too i don't want to miss that you know good luck with yeah the, most you know, definitely beautiful man. baby yeah baby, thank the you family, guys the whole nine congrats man that's a big deal man congrats on all that. i really appreciate that yeah man all right